0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor,
1: strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real
0: people are doing real estate. Let's Get Real Estate podcast. Danielle Chason here with you again today. And I'm super excited to have Mr. Harry Fine joining us. Woo, Thank so, you, I um, <laughs> love that.
1: Virtual hugs. Um,
0: oh, yeah, we could do the virtual hugs now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Life is so different now than it used to be since COVID, hey? So, so many. my wife got her
1: shot yesterday, and now I have vaccine envy, which is becoming a thing. <laughs>
0: Well, I think we're all going to get vaccinated pretty quick here, and I'm excited for that because virtual hugs, although they uh, they're doing what we need for the time being, it's not exactly uh, it's not exactly a replacement for the real deal. So that's for sure. Uh, but ha- but having said that, talking about the real deal, Harry, you are the real deal, my friend. Um, I know you and I have worked together. Um on uh doing some leases and stuff like that. And I think you can bring a lot of a lot of good information to our audience and help them. We're gonna talk about today, I think um what we're gonna talk about is the appendix to the lease agreement because here in Ontario, and I think a lot of places are going in that space where um they're having standardized leases now. We have that in Ontario since I think it's twenty eighteen, right, Harry? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and um, so now a lot of people, I mean, it's super easy because, you know, the form's already there. You don't have to fill out anything else other than, you know, the name and, you know, the relevant information. Yeah, very easy, but, but uh,
1: very problematic.
0: But big problems. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience first, though, Harry, and just get into, um, just introduce yourself and who you are and what you do and kind of your backstory. Absolutely. Um
1: my name is Harry Fine. I'm uh, the head of Harry Fine Paralegal Services, and I deal with uh, residential tenancy issues primarily. Uh, paralegals became licensed back in 2008, but prior to that, I was an adjudicator, one of the judges at the Landlord Tenant Board. I'd actually, uh, we'd sold our family business in 2000, which was the bowling business. Everybody knows Bowlerama. And um, we, we sold it for a good deal of money, and I played golf all summer, played 85 rounds. I've, I don't think I've played 85 since. 2008. But uh, then I thought, what am I going to do? And um, I ended up through a, a friend of mine um, understanding the provincial appointments process for adjudicators at boards, agencies, tribunals. And I was appointed by the government uh, in 2001 until 2005. I was the judge. Everybody, you know, hated at the landlord. The landlords always hated at the landlord tenant board. They actually liked me okay. I was I was right down the middle. I was pretty fair. I didn't favor one or the other. And then these appointments are time limited. So in 2005, it was over. I thought, you know, I really have learned a lot of stuff at the government's expense. I'd done thousands of hearings. And I thought, why not do this for landlords? And for me, it was very easy to develop the business because everybody knew Harry Fine had been an adjudicator. And, you know, he has some inside info, which it's not so much inside info. It's just understanding how the system works. But of course, if they thought I had inside info, I wasn't going to dispel them of that myth. Um, As everybody knows who started a business, it's all about, first of all, creating the myth. And then at some point, um, I have a big practice in residential tenancy law. And uh, I do consulting and I do training and I do litigation. Although I'm trying to slow down a little now, not taking as many clients, but still doing a lot of consultations. So... Uh, That's uh, who I am in my background. I'm considered one of the go-to people uh, on residential tenancy law in Ontario under the RTA, which, as I I guess your viewers know, is the Residential Tenancies Act.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, uh, I, for one, am quite happy that you're still doing consultations with people. And maybe you're not so much going to uh, represent landlords at the board, but I think it's important to note that you're still on our team and you're still available for at least consultations. And you also have a referral program too for other paralegals to represent. Is that not? True? I do.
1: Um, I have a lot of uh, A yeah. lot of training, a lot of a uh, lot of educational materials, both for paralegals and for landlords. And I do the occasional tenant file as well. I didn't used to do tenant work when I was very very busy because uh, it's it's a one off thing and uh, you know it's you usually have to choose one side of the street or the other in most types of legal work. But occasionally I do some now as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, that's good to know too. I'll be knocking on your door if I have any no issues. No problem. I, I shall sure. be here. <laughs> um, so yeah. So let's talk about appendices. Here's um. Here's um. Here's my question to you for today, Harry. What do you think is the biggest problem that landlords encounter when they start using the Ontario Standard Lease Agreement, or the OSLA that we <laughs> refer to? The sure.
1: <laughs> OS OSLA. Okay. I don't call it that, but you're right. It's the OSLA. Uh, Let me give you a little background context first. Uh, And I'm talking about small landlords here, uh, investor landlords. I don't mean they might have 10 properties, 20 properties, one property. And they often dealt with realtors for the acquisition of the property, but also the acquisition of the tenant. And the real estate industry was doing a large percentage of leases uh, for tenants. And they would use the real estate form uh, 400 and that would become the lease. And they would put in clauses that, uh, were old and uh, weren't legal and violated the RTA and didn't properly protect the landlord, but also in many cases deceived the tenant and made the tenant believe things were true that weren't true, or made the, their client, the landlord, believe things were enforceable when they weren't. So the government in 2017 uh, finally said, stop, and as other provinces have done, and they've said, we're going to create our own standard government lease. So how do you do that? You're trying to create something that is all things for all people. And so if something doesn't quite fit, of course, you chop it out uh, because that doesn't apply to everybody. And then you chop this out. And at some point in April 2018, they released the standard government lease that, well, it was supposed to be all things to all people. That's really nothing for anybody. But, you know, like, like governments do, it is what it is. They have a form and they're very proud of their forms and their bureaucracy. So. People started using the government lease, and the problem is it's a skeleton. That's it. Who's the landlord? Who's the tenant? What's the rent? What's the deposit? Now, you have to understand the RTA first and how the landlord-tenant law is, is sort of made up in Ontario, partly through the statute, the RTA, but partly through contract. The question is, which part is contract and which part is statutory? Well, if the RTA says something, that's the law. You can't contract out of it. But there are a million other things a landlord and tenant can legally agree to that aren't in the standard lease, because every tenancy is different, whether it's about a parking or move-in or condos or guarantors or uh, laundry rules or backyard usage. Uh, there's a there's hundred different things to be considered, but none of them are in the standard government lease. Now, there's no point in your appendix putting things like No pets, or you can't have guests, or the rent will go up five percent a year, or the landlord uh, sorry, the tenant will cut the grass and shovel the snow because all those things are illegal. The RTA defines those things, so there's no point putting them in, but there's a lot of other things that need to be in. So, the problem is identifying the problem that landlords use this government lease and they rely on it and they think it's going to help them, and then they find out it doesn't. Let me give you one example. Uh, they want to come in and uh, take pictures because they're going to sell their house and they want to do a video for a showing. And the landlord gives notice to the tenant that the uh, they're coming in with the realtor to take pictures, but they can't because it's not one of the permitted purposes under the RTA. But the RTA says that also a permissive reason for entry is any other reasonable requirement set out in the tenancy agreement. So in the proper world where it's done correctly, you have a lease appendix that allows uh, certain types of entries that it might not otherwise allow in the RTA as long as they're reasonable. The government standard lease through section 15 of the lease allows additional clauses, and that's key, because if it didn't, it would be a mess, because nobody would know their rights or obligations. No landlords could enforce their rights or obligations. The trick is, number one, knowing what's a legal clause versus illegal, and number two, drafting a proper clause. So since 2005, I've been drafting uh, lease uh, leases for tenants and reviewing leases. Sorry, for landlords. Since 2005, I've been reviewing leases and drafting leases for landlords. And I, in 2008, I took a lot of the material I'd been, the clauses I'd been creating and the protections that I'd been uh, using in leases, and I created a standard lease appendix that has about a hundred clauses. It's a word document. And it can be modified at sort of like a, a dim sum menu. You know, you pick the things you want and you take out the things you don't want to create the perfect lease. In fact, at my website, hfineparalegal.ca, uh, if you go into the uh, page on uh, landlord forms, because I sell it as part of a forms package, there's a video on the bottom. You can click the link for a YouTube video called Creating the Perfect Lease. So you'll understand how the government lease and my lease appendix fit together. Things like how specifically utilities are repaid, uh, privacy clauses for cameras, move-in procedures, condo obligations, laundry rules, uh, restrictions on short-term rentals, uh, marijuana rules, guarantor clauses. Things as simple and things that people don't think about like use of space. Let me give you an example of, of things I've run into. Uh, landlord lives in a triplex on the main floor and he rents out the top floor in the basement. And he doesn't have a good lease. He uses the government standard lease. The landlord's intention was always that he and his family or she and her family use the backyard. The backyard is not for the other tenants, but they simply write a lease that says it's for 23 park road, second floor. And that's it. They don't specify exclusive use spaces shared spaces where they may want to share the backyard or restricted spaces. And so all of a sudden the tenant moves in, starts having barbecue with his family or a party in the backyard. And the landlord says, whoa, 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 you didn't rent that. And I said, of course I did. I've got everything here in my unit on the second floor and all the amenities uh, that are attached to it. And now the landlord has a fight and now the landlord may use his backyard. And it's completely unnecessary. So that's the sort of problem you can run into
0: and you know what you make it such a great point because like when i'm doing my seminars and 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 helping people and real estate investors protect their business the biggest thing i tell them is the number one way to protect your business is through contracts you have to have a detailed agreement so that everybody understands exactly their rights and their obligations to whatever it is you agreed to. And uh, you're right, 100%. The OSLA, the Ontario sure, Standard I... Lease Agreement does not clarify exactly in detail what you know your agreement is and what you're it's renting. Really
1: almost nothing. Yeah. I, I, I sell the lease appendix and I've sold over a thousand of them but I sell it as part of a package and you'll see the webpage on your screen in a moment. But I sell it as part of a package with 30 different forms guarantor agreements, application forms, proper notices of entry, but certainly, and of course, a copy of the standard government lease that I've modified slightly to refer to the lease appendix. So they work together, you know, under this uh, field in the government lease, it now says please see appendix B or please see appendix C. So I sell it as part of a package of 30 different documents, but certainly the central piece is the lease appendix and uh, people just love it they've uh, i keep them uh, up to date if you buy the package uh, you get updates for a year and it really helps you if you're a new landlord some people even use that sort of to give them enough information about how to do their job as landlord because sometimes the forms are instructive i even give them a chart about how rent increases work in ontario as part of that package but the uh, the lease appendix uh, is key A lot of landlords don't realize when they're renting to a tenant, so initially now we're talking about advertising, application forms, things like that. They're evaluating the tenants, fair enough, but the tenant is also evaluating them. And tenants who might not be the best tenants, do I want to say tenants who might have scams up their sleeve? You saw on the paper just last week, one of the rare instances where a Toronto couple was charged criminally. With for 10 years, scamming multiple different landlords, and uh, they paid over 10 years, about two years worth of rent, they would pay first and last, it would take 10 months to get rid of them, etc. So landlords need to do their work. And when the scammer landlord sees your application form from my forms package, your lease from my forms package, they run, because they say this landlord knows what they're doing, let's find somebody else. Who doesn't? So being a landlord is a business. And as you said, Danielle, and for your business context, you talk about contracts and properly protecting yourself. Uh, I've often (laughs) been shocked at landlords who believe it's only about collecting rent. It is a business and it's a highly regulated business. And you can't run a business like a hobby. You might be able to run a hobby like a business, which is fine, but not the other way around. And it always shocks me when landlord clients come in with problems and they say, my darn tenant, you know, he's a professional tenant. Uh, he's ripping me off. And, and I'm pretty straightforward with people. I say to my client, you know, why aren't you a professional landlord? Don't blame the tenant for knowing his rights. It's like the only business I know in the world where often in the small landlord world, the customer knows more than the business owner. That's perverse. That's perverse. It's hard to understand, but it's true. And so you start from the beginning uh, with, with proper documentation to get the tenancy off on the right foot.
0: I am so glad you said that because I was like chomping at the bit. I'm like, okay, if he doesn't I say it, right I'm going to make him say it. So yes, that was, uh, you know, I've said it to you probably 16 times now, but uh, my impression of you, the first time I saw you on stage, you said to me, you said, or you said on stage, you said, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when... Landlords come in and they complain about professional tenants. And my question to them is, why aren't you a professional landlord? And you know what? I mean, that stuck with me. And uh, and that's something I, I repeat every time I do. I always give you credit for it. First heard it here with you. And uh, honestly, it's a mindset shift I think that a lot of landlords need to make. And I think that's a big, big one right need there. To protect
1: yourself in this business because it's a politically charged business, you know, governments look at, uh, you know, housing as uh, something they need to protect for tenants. So you need to have every every right on your side. And you do that with a proper lease above and beyond, that is a proper appendix above and beyond. So if you're renting out a property, and your realtor simply wants to use standard ARIA clauses, uh, they don't work. Uh, I, I will go as far as saying that ARIA hasn't updated them, doesn't really track the changes to the RTA, and sometimes can get the landlord in terrible trouble. I'm not sure if I have time for one fascinating example.
0: Please, yes.
1: Okay. One of the area clauses that realtors love to put in their Form 400, which they then staple to the standard government lease as an appendix, one of the clauses says the tenant may, if the lease is in good standing, provide the landlord with notice that they wish to renew term provided they do so at least 60 days prior to the end of the term. The clause is so badly written. First of all, landlords don't understand term. Term sucks for landlords. Term is not a good thing for landlords. Term is good for tenants, but that's another story. So the tenant every year for two, three years, they continue to give notice and the landlord thinks, boy, I didn't know they could do it every year, but they read the lease again. And oh my goodness, it does say that. It doesn't say one time only. And then one day the landlord wants their son to move into the condo because it's close to U of T and um, it's time for the son to move out of the house. So she serves the tenant with an N-12 notice to terminate the tenancy based on her son moving in. Tenant says, I'm not leaving. They go to a hearing at the landlord tenant board. The tenant says, Madam Adjudicator, uh, this is the lease. And Madam Adjudicator, these are the emails that I've sent every year renewing term. So I am perpetually in term because the lease permitted me to be perpetually in term, providing I gave written notice. And landlords cannot evict for personal use, uh, demolition, change of use, extensive renovation, purchaser's use. They can't evict for those reasons during term. And so the landlord says to the judge, well, when, when can I get my house back? Never. So because of the surrea clause, which is still used today, which realtors love to put in because they believe the term has some value. And it actually turns your property into a very poorly paying annuity that's, you know, governed by rent control. It's, it's shameful. And uh, I almost want to say negligent, but that's not going to happen when you use my clauses because they're up to date and comply with the RTA. I, I change them all the time.
0: And here's, here's the thing. I do want to talk a little bit about your clauses uh, right before we get to that, though. I really hope there are realtors on this call so that they can learn that as well. Uh, I am a licensed I teach realtor. realtor. Extensively. Sorry? I
1: teach realtors extensively. I was uh, RICO certified until RICO changed the way they did training. But I, I'm at realtors' offices through Zoom and brokerages and boards. Uh, the, the real estate boards, they have me either live, it used to be, or now uh, through zoom, uh, come and speak to their people. And this is one of the topics we, we speak of.
0: Yeah, honestly, you know what I think, you know, when it comes to leasing, you really need to hire a leasing professional and realtors are not leasing professionals. And I think that's the biggest mistake that landlords do. And I, I, I believe the realtors have good intentions. They want to help out their clients. Yes. Um, but I, I do believe, you know, a, very similar to an accountant or a lawyer as a realtor myself, I would never try to take on any legal issues or accounting issues. And when it comes to leasing, they really should be referring out to a paralegal to make sure that the landlord is properly protected because the laws here are so uh, tenant friendly. And so they're, you know, you need to hire a a paralegal. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say about that with realtors. They really aren't leasing professionals or leasing, leasing specialists. So um having said that, I do want to talk with your lease because you mentioned that, you know, you always have them up to date. Now, uh, you and I both know I have your lease agreement uh, prior to getting your forms. I did buy the three pack form that you have on your website. And um, and prior to that, so we had originally built out, I think my lease was, uh, my appendix was something like 22 pages or something like that. And then when I went to mm-hmm. update it, I went to a paral- Yeah, I went to a paralegal and they reviewed it. And then they gave me a little bit of feedback. And every two or three years, I would uh, review my my appendix. Um, so, at, what it was additional terms at the time because we had our, our lease, and then it was just additional terms. And so, um, and then the last time I went and when I found you, and the last time I did this. Um, I had somebody else who I bought their package. they had their one hundred clauses that they called it, and uh bought his and then when I got yours, so after I got I them, bet I know who <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say anything um but uh, but yeah, I had that and, you know, so I just trying to. I always have this thing, you know, let's talk to several people and then learn from everybody and really understand what I need to know. And so, and everybody has their own way of looking at things, but I was absolutely drawn to you, 100% confident with you and your service. And I'll tell you why. So after after the call with you, I mean, you clearly know what you're talking about. There's no doubt. Um, and that obviously shines through, but after we had that call, I bought your um, your your additional your appendix and the three pack and then the I, pack? yeah, and I went through oh. that and here's what blew me away. I love how you refer to the RTA in your clauses. So all of the additional clauses, Often you'll refer, you'll say, as per section whatever, whatever of the Residential Tenancies Act. Or
1: notwithstanding section such and such.
0: Exactly. So then that way, if it does happen to go to the Landlord and Tenant Board, the LTV, for a hearing, it makes it very easy for the judge who's reading this professional lease. To understand what the agreement actually was. And so I absolutely love it. And then so the way you have it out written out, you know, the parts that I need to adjust when I am, they're highlighted, I'm, I think they're in italics, and they're, they're all in red, so that I know Use I have different to, colors. Yep. Yeah, and I have to adjust yeah. that you've laid it out beautifully. And, uh, and honestly, and it's enforceable, which is really key, right. And so, um, and here's what I'm going to say about your lease agreement. And this is also a mindset shift. So this is a ninja moment, ninja tip for you guys out there. If you're listening, Um, I use my lease agreement to, to deter from going to court. I don't have my lease agreement so that I can win in court. I have my lease agreement so I can avoid going to court. Because let me tell you, if you have to go to court, it sucks your time, your energy, everything right out of you. And Harry said it. He said it right at the beginning of the call if you um if you um, have a proper lease agreement, you're going to save your business you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna deter you're saving your business by deterring those professional tenants and I've seen it because I'll tell yeah. you when I meet people and walk them through the property. And then i and just by the way i'm talking and the way i present myself and i show them the lease and then i say here's the application form when i go through my steps they know i cross my t's and dot my i's those people don't send in their application forms and that is okay that is part of your vetting process so the whole the whole point is to avoid even going to court like don't even get those people in your units that are going to be problematic
1: i tell landlords and some new landlords are smart enough to actually call me up or email me and say, you know what, I'm not a landlord yet. I'm buying a property. I'd like to sit down with you for an hour to talk about stuff. I think, my gosh, they're so smart. because. And I tell them, it is far easier for me and less expensive for you to keep you out of trouble than to get you out of trouble. Just stay out of trouble. Know the rules.
0: And honestly, it's just the difference between being proactive or reactive. So I call it the pay now or pay later program. So you're going to do the work now, spend the time and energy and effort now, or you're going to spend 10 times the time and energy later. So you can choose to be proactive or reactive, you know, one or the other. And as you know, I'm proactive in my business and, um, and I honestly have never actually had to to evict a tenant knock on wood because one day it may may happen, but, (laughs) but Harry, I just want to say thank you so much for everything. Uh, We've shown the lease agreement for those of you who are out there uh, listening um, and this is a podcast so for those of you who are just audio uh, come back to the website we're going to have it here on the site we've got an about Harry Fine page you can click on all of the information and links to get to know him and his information book a consultation by his forms all of that is going to be on that page. Um, And of course, you can reach out to him, maybe book a consultation call. If you are a new landlord and you want to learn a little bit about the business, um, he is awesome in doing that. I went through that call. um, And honestly, like you're going to be mind blown. So, Harry, I want to thank you for your time. Love having you on. Thank you, Daniel. Your wealth of knowledge. I I
1: appreciate you inviting me today. I had a great time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I hope you'll come back